Just before we start, tonight's year is sponsored in memory of Mira Bazukhar on the occasion of her Shloshim, the mother of Mindy Orlinsky, sponsored by Mindy and Henry Orlinsky. We thank them for the sponsorship. Okay, let's begin. Parshas Bamidbar, Sefer Bamidbar, Tavshin Ayin Zayin. As we start off a new section of the Torah, the fourth uh, book, Sefer um, Bamidbar, the countings, Chumash HaPakudim, and we start off with Pakudim, start off with countings. We'll get right into it, and hopefully at the end of this year we'll have one thought related to uh, the Chag of Kabbalah Satora, Haba Aleinu Latova. So we'll start off towards the end of the counting, after Moshe Rabbeinu, in the second year. Right, Vaidabar Hashem, we'll start with the first Pasuk first. We should read the first Pasuk in Sefer Bamidbar. Vaidabar Hashem on Moshe, Ben Midbar Sinai, Ba'ol Moed. Hashem says to Moshe, in the Midbar, in Ol Moed, Be'echad Lachodesh Hasheni Bashana Hashenis. On the first day of Iyar, in the second month, as we know, this is one of the only, this is the only explicit uh, case of Ein Batora. After all, in a few months, from now in Parakest, in Parshas Baloscha, it is explicitly took place before this date. So that has to be, the Torah is not written in chronological order. But we know the beginning of the Parsha goes through all of the countings, and towards the end of Parak Aleph, we have the Halacha, the only people that were not counted. Says, the Torah, in Perak Mem, Pasuk Memches, Ve'edabar Hashem HaMoshe Limar, Aches Matel Levi Lo Tifkod. Don't count Levi. Ve'esrosham Lo Tisa. Do not lift up their head. Don't count them. Besoch B'nei Yisrael. V'yatah. Don't count them within the other group of Kala Yisrael. V'yatah. Havkedes HaLavim Al Mishkan Ho'edus. They're in charge of the Mishkan. V'akal Kelo. V'akal Asherlo. V'chulu. They are counted separately. Right? They are not uh, involved in the in the counting. Says the Hegiona Shaltora. Why exactly were they excluded? Why weren't they included in the counting? So what was unique about Levi? We know they were special. We know they were different. We know they had certain jobs. But this is counting. And yet they weren't part of the army weren't part of the army. We know that they were counted from 30 days old, as is described in the, in the, uh, in the Psukim. We quoted a number of years ago. Ramosha Feinstein's thought about why Dafka 30 days, everyone else was from 20. But says that Yonah Shatara, maybe there's something deeper here. To teach specifically Levi, Hashem couldn't have them as part of the army. Ela Shevet Zeh, Shehishtamesh Becherev. We might say it has something to do with the Egel, we know. We know they stood up for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Mil Hashem Eli, which was amazing. And that had them, that gave them these chus of being able to do the Avodah in the Mishkan and in the Mikdash. But says that Yonah Shatara, Ben there was a little danger though also. In the way that they did their unbelievable act, Maisa Mitzvah of dedication to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there was still a danger if it continued, says that Yonah Shotorah, Shevet Zeshe Hishtamesh Becherev, Binakboas Nikbaz Hashem, and Maiso Egel, this Shevet, they used its sword to revenge, to revenge for God, Vayes Asvo Elav Kobane Levi, Virgo Ishes Achiv, Ishes Reeu, Yachal Hoyalalos Aldaito, like a Heref Ayin, for a fleeting moment, it might go up in their mind. You know how you solve problems? With the sword. You know how you get answers? You know how you're victorious? With the sword. After all, it helped us out with the Egel. If they were part of the army like the rest of Klal Yisrael, that would be dangerous. Because they might get the, the wrong message. 
that that is always the answer. That is why, very creatively, Kaddish Baruch Hu took the sword away from them. You proved, Levi, that you could be God's people. But let me tell you what God's people entail. It doesn't mean always physically fighting. Once in a while, you need that. Everybody goes out. But in general, that's not the ideal. That's not how I want things run. War is not an ideal. The way we are victorious, the greatest way, is through what we might call Torah diplomacy, to spreading the light of Torah, being an or lagoyim. paamit, a radical action, a one-time thing. When it's needed, who tova? That's good, right? The egel, right? We needed extreme measures at that moment. But to have a radical measure like that always, that is not what a Krakul wants. And also, if we even think about it, interestingly, it doesn't start here. It goes back to the generation of Shimon and Levi, what they did to Shechem. It wasn't just Levi here. Says that Yonashal Torah, Kodesh Baruch had to teach them. But that's not the ideal. Once in a while, and you know who else needed the message? You know who else needed the balance? Pinchas. Pinchas, right after Pinchas stood up and did what he should do and he had to do. And Moshe Rabbeinu tells him, hey, you have the idea, you have to stand up. What did happen? What did HaKadosh Baruch Hu give to Pinchas right after his extreme act with a sword? He gave him a bris shalom. A bris, a covenant of peace. Gam lepincha shekini as kinas Hashem tzvakos beromach shebiado nitna bris shalom klomer hashalom oidi avlo acherev shalom is the ultimate shalom is what we dream of shalom is the is the pinnacle of shmona esrei the last thing we ask for before we take leave of a kadosh baruch hu sim shalom tova ovracha right as the Rashi quotes Chazal also ain't shalom ain't klum without shalom and that is what 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 is what is the the Gemara say Shmuel and the Rambam quotes Shmuel. What's going to be the difference till after Mashiach comes? There's going to be all different stages that we don't exactly know. There's Yimosa Mashiach, there's Chiyasa Mason, there's Olam Haba. But there's going to be, according to Rovri Shonim, a certain stage that's still going to be physical. Yimosa Mashiach. What's going to be different between now and then? No enemies. No war. Nobody torturing us. No anti-Semitism. And that is what we daven for, and that says that Yonah Torah needed to be needed to be taught that being a kanoi is only for certain extreme radical situations. One of the Chassidish Rebbes say that there's a medrash in Parshas Shmos, Parshas Brachos, where the medrash says, Hashem saw everything that He made, created, and it was good. Maod says the medrash zehamaves, it's death. And that's even why the Chassam Sofer says, writes in the Tshuva, that even though I think halachically maybe you should start Kiddush with Vayar Alakim Eskol Asher because it's a whole Pasuk, you shouldn't start with Vayar Vayivoker, but what can I do? There's this terrible Medrash. Vinei Tomor, I don't want to start Shabbos with that Medrash. So I start with Vayar Vayivoker. Okay, but what's the shot of the Medrash? So one of the Rebbes say, Vayar Alakim Eskol Asher Asa, Vinei Ma'od, Ma'od, first time Ma'od is used, Ma'od, extreme, very, a lot, Zehamavis. Being a radical for a life approach, 
Right? That's not. That's not what we. That's not what Kaddish Baruch Hu wants from us. Yes, we should be radical in terms of always getting up to davening on time and being radical in our shmiras and mitzvos. But in terms of of actions, like we had by Shevet Levi and by Pinchas, that is not the ideal. It's needed sometimes, but that is why suggest that Yonah Torah, why Levi, the sword was taken away from him in order to be able to teach him that lesson. That Hakol Kol Yaakov, ours is Kol. We live by the Kol, the Kol of Torah, the Kol of Tefillah. Other nations live by the Cherev, but that's not what a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants from us. Okay, that gets us started, and we have one other thought. Related to Levi as well. So we know here, after the counting, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe Rabbeinu, don't count Levi. Right? That's what happens at the, at the end. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives, I'll start even from a couple of psukim back, after the Sama Pasuk, Ela HaPakudim, Asher Pakan Moshe V'yaron, these are the countings, and he, all the, the total, right? But you call HaPakudim, Sheish B'Yosel, Sheish Shloshes Alafim, 603,550, that was the total. And then the Torah adds, Valavim Lamata Vosam Loas Paktu Mitocha. Levi wasn't counted. Next pasuk. Hashem says to Moshe, Levi, lo tifkod. Don't count Levi. There's Rosham Lotisa. And don't uh, don't don't have them included. Ask the Rinas Yitzchak. Some of you might hear some popping in the background. That's some fireworks for uh, Yom Yerushalayim. But either way, we continue with the Rinas Yitzchak. Says Rav Yitzchak Saratskin. Moshe Rabbeinu counted Klal Yisrael. And then afterwards, he didn't count Levi, and then Hashem says, don't count Levi. How'd he know? How did Moshe Rabbeinu know? Not to count Levi. Hashem didn't tell him until afterwards. He counted all the Shvatim. It says he didn't count Levi, and Hashem says, make sure you don't count them. Ask the Rinas Yitzchak, Tzarechiyun, Minole Lemoshe, Shalom Lifkot, Shevet Levi, Besoch B'nai Yisrael. How did he know? Kisharak Acherkach, Nitztava Me'akadosh Baruch Hu, Shalom Lifkot, Shevet Levi. What exactly was Moshe's wisdom in this case that he was able to know that Hashem wouldn't want him, and Hashem would command him not to count, not to count Levi. So just the Rinas Yitzchak, maybe it's based on the Medrash Tanchuma. It says the Medrash Tanchuma on line four. On the Pasuk in Parshas Vayechi, Kol Eile Shivte Yisrael Shneimasar, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, V'chi Yud Be'i Shvatim Hein, V'alakfar Nemar Ephraim Umanashe Kiruvin V'shimun Yiyoli. Ask the Tanchuma, 12 Shvatim? Didn't Yaakov Avinu already elevate Yosef's two sons to Shvatim, so if we do the math, there's 13 altogether. Allah says the Medrash, there's always 12. Sometimes, if B'nai Yosef are counted separately, then Levi's not counted. If Levi's counted, then Ephraim and Manasseh are considered one. That's always how you know. The unit is 12. Moshe Rabbeinu knew, just like the Misorah, just like everyone knew earlier, Yaakov Avinu knew, Leah and Rachel knew. Remember Leah, the Medrash Gemara says, Leah Davin, she shouldn't have a seventh child because Rachel would be even less than one of the uh, Amahos. But says the, says the, uh, the Medrash, everyone knew that there were going to be 12 Shvatim. And Moshe Rabbeinu, when he was told to count 12 Shvatim, say so he knows that there's only going to be 12. And if Ram and Manasha are marching separately in the desert, then Levi must not be part of this minion. Says the uh, Rinas Yitzchak, 
Ella kishel ulafize yesh lomar. Demoshe yada dominion shifta yisrael him shnei masar lopachos v'lo yoser. Twelve is the perfect unit. Right? There's so much symbolism to twelve. Every number in Yahadus has symbol, symbolic uh, uh, messages. But twelve is a unit. Right? We have the twelve midos of Hakadosh. Twelve uh, the shvatim. Uh, plus one. You have the thirteen midos of Hashem. Hakadosh Baruch on top. You have twelve. Uh, um, um, as the in the end of the the peel we say at the end of the Haggadah, but because of that unit, he knew not to count Levi. Number one, but then he says, this connects to the Panim Yafos, the Baal Hafla says, what was this count for? What was this count for? It was connected to splitting up of the land. Maybe connected to, but it's also a separate idea. This was a minion. They have to know the numbers. We just learned it in Dafyomi in terms of how they split up the land in Eretz Yisrael. But they had to know how many Jews there were in every Shevet. In order to know, in terms of the Chalukah. Levi doesn't get a Chalukah. Levi has 48 cities. 42 plus the six Ari Miklat. But he doesn't get a separate nachal. Moshe says, it's obvious then. If this has to do with Chalukah's Eretz Yisrael, so then uh, they are not counted. And this fits nicely with the Ramban, he quotes, in Parshas Kisisa. That if we look there, to Beminyan Harishon, Nimna Shevi Levi Imahim. In the earlier countings, Levi was counted. Only here, it wasn't, the, he, he wasn't, they weren't counted. Why? Because only this one has to do with Chalukah's Eretz Yisrael. Levi's excluded. Earlier, Ephraim and Manasseh are put together. And it doesn't have to do with the Chalukah. And that is why they are counted as one. So again, we always have 12 Shvatim. Sometimes they're two, sometimes they're one. We look on the Choshen and Mishpat of the Kohen Gadol, Ephraim and Manasseh are one. Yosef is there. Remember, that's the Gemara, where Yosef at Tzaddik inspired himself when he was about to sin with Ashes Potiphar. And the Medjur, the Gemara says, that way you're going to be erased from the, from the Choshen if we sin. So Yosef was going to be erased, not Ephraim and Manasseh. Yosef was going to be erased. And we know there's a Messorah to have 12 windows in a shul. Right? 12, not 13. So there's always 12. There's always 12. There is a Pasuk in Yechezkel that's going to say this. Maybe we're going to be split up into 13 in the future. But at least right now, there are 12. And that's how Moshe Rabbeinu knew. He was told to the 12 Shratim. And that is what he did, leaving Levi out. Okay. Two thoughts related to Levi. Now, moving right along. Moving right along. So Perak Aleph has all of the tribes how much they were uh, counted in. Perak base. Vaydabar Hashem el Moshe v'el Aaron lemar. Hashem says to Moshe and Aaron, Ish al diglo ba'osos l'veis avosam yachanu b'nei Yisrael. Every degel ba'osos l'veis avosam, everyone should be around their flag in their group, they should encamp. Yachanu b'nei Yisrael. Mineget saviv l'ohol moed yachanu. The Oel Moed, the Mishkan is in the middle, surrounding them are the Levim, surrounding them are the Shvatim, three on each, three on each side. The, uh, numbers are there given in this long Aliyah, how much was each one, how much was Yisachar, how much was altogether, right? Many, many different numbers that are given over this, uh, throughout this parak. Answer by Schwab, in Mayan Beis HaShoeva, in source number three. What does the Torah have to be so number focused in this parak? The number of each shevet, the number of the entire machana, the number of all of Kla Yisrael. Over and over again, emphasizing how many were in each group in each position. What's the focus? What's the emphasis? Khan, Besidra, the Golem. And we've spoken about in past years what this is doing here. 
We spoke about in past years why the Degolim, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky writes elsewhere, not for this year, in past years, why the Degolim weren't commanded right after Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Why only now were the Degolim given, the flags and the areas. But let's see if Rabbi Schwab's thought fits into that. At the end, again, we have the number 603,550. The end of Perak Aleph, the end of Perak Beis, even though we already know that. What's the emphasis? Left side, Imkain, Kasha, Me'ezetam, Chazar, Akasa, Biminyanam, Haklali, Vaprati. What's the emphasis? So it's Rashi, but we have to understand and appreciate the Rashi. Says Rav Shwab, Rashi already says, why was this counting done? Hashem also, we might ask by any counting, Hashem knows the answer. Hashem knows the number, and yet He counts us, and yet He wants to hear it again. Because He loves them. If we love something, then even if we don't have many, tell me again how many I have. Tell me, no, just say, say it again. How many new things? That, we want to hear it because it's beloved to us. Hashem knows the answer, but Hashem wants to hear it again, because of His love for us. But why Dafka now? What did we just do that makes Him love us so much? What are we in the middle of here? See, He put us into the Degalim. So we have the Mishkan, but what is it? Says Rav Shwa, it's to show Chibi Yisera, not only Perak Aleph, but also Perak Beis. What happened in Perak Aleph? Perak Aleph was just the listings and the numbers. Perak Beis are the Dgalim. The flags, meaning separate locations and areas. That's what Perak Beis is. After that, Hashem gives us the, the, the Torah gives us the counting again and the sum. Why? The Levim are in the middle, turning over. And what happens? Am Yisrael. For all of us Yisraelim out there, all of a sudden, there's distance. All of a sudden, I am not allowed near the Mishkan. The separation. And I don't even have a choice to where I'm going to march. I'm told. I want to be in front. I'm not from Yehuda. Right? I'm from Yisachar. I'm from Asher. No, no, no. You have to go where your Shevet is. Surely everyone wanted deeply to be close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Remember, there's the Mon and the Be'er. They had a deep desire. The Dordea. The Kolechad. And everyone surely wanted to be close. Commanded though that everybody should rest and encamp in a specific spot. Even though we have plenty of complaining of the Jewish people in this sefer, we just have to start off in Parshas Baloscha, Shlach Korachukas, keep going. But here they didn't complain. We don't have any evidence that they complained when they received their place. Let's think about this for a minute. Marshal Madavadoma says of Schwab, imagine you sit on the Mizrach wall in Shul. Imagine I sit in the first row. Go sit towards the back, please. Not just for now. Sit towards the back for the 
whatever the future, right, it was only supposed to be a couple of days, but it ended up being a long time. And not only was it taken away from us, it was given to other people. That hurts even more. If I don't have it, okay, at least he doesn't have it. No, if he has it instead of me, some of them must have been upset. They want to be closer. They want to have the good seats. Even if they can control their mouths. But Yisrael Kedoshim Haim. They didn't say a word. What does it say? The Medrash says, They did it. What did they do? They all took their positions. You want me sitting in the upper deck? I'll sit in the upper deck. You want me sitting on the left side? I'll sit on the left side. This is my spot. This is where Akadosh Baruch Hu wants me. And they came, overcame their jealousy. They overcame their, their Ratzon to be in front of their fellow Jew. And that is why Hashem showed his chiba here. Because we did something. We overcame. And this is so hard. This is so hard. We've quoted in the past the thought of the Bali Musr. If you remember from Parsha Shoftim, where the Torah describes that if somebody just built a house, or if somebody just got married, somebody uh, planted a vineyard, they didn't get to enjoy it yet, they could go home. They could go home. Why? Because Rashi, the Pasuk says, because maybe he's going to die in war, the Ish Acher... A different person will enjoy the fruits, and a different person will will uh, will uh, marry the uh, the woman. And ask the Bali Musser, right? What do you mean a different person? Just say he might die in war. Period. Because he's not going to be focused. No, the Torah says, and a different person will get it. Then a different person will get it. Explain the Bali Musser, because that's what really hurts. It's not just that he's not going to have it, but if somebody else is going to have it instead of me, Rashi there in Shoftim says six words: Agma Dvar Shel Agmas Nefesh Huzeh. It's Agmas Nefesh. What's Agmas Nefesh? Somebody else gets it instead of me. That's human nature. But here they overcame the human nature. Here, Kla Yisrael were able to say, this is what Hashem wants from me. I'm going to be happy with my lot, in my spiritual lot, in what HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given me, and that can apply to all of us. We look around, we think we see spiritual powers that our friends have, that our neighbors have, that we don't have. HaKadosh Baruch Hu put me in a place. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave me certain spiritual kochos. And we have to use those to the best of our abilities, but realize that I'm not supposed to have somebody else's kochos, just like I'm not supposed to have their eye prescription. I'm not supposed to have anything that they have that's tailored for them, and this is tailored for me. And I know HaKadosh Baruch Hu has the best uh, kavanas in mind. Okay. Moving right along. Perek Lamed towards the end of the Tegalim now. Let's get into the last Degel. Who is the last, who is the last Shevet that is listed? We have, towards the end, Degel Machane Dun. The Degel of Dun. Degel Machane Dun, Safona, Litzivosam, they're the north, It goes through all of them. Who was with Dun? Bachonim Allah Mate Asher, Umate Naftali. It was Dun, Asher, and Naftali. Last Pasik. Call Hapakudim, Lamachane Dun, Maas Elef, Veshiva Vachamishim Elef, Veshesh Meos, Right? They go last. Right? That's parallel to the previous ones. Right? The earlier one, the end of the third group, Ushlishim Yisau. End of the second group, right? Shniim. Shniim Yisau. And the first one, Rishona Yisau. But there's one more word in the Pasek, which I didn't read. Lachrona Yisau. Lidig Following their flags. That word does not appear the first three times. Is this just like at the end, we say, and everybody went according to Lidig 
That word is only here at the end of Pasuk Lamed Aleph and does not appear at the end of the earlier three groupings. Says the Aznayim Latora now. I think the grandfather of the earlier Rinas Yitzchak. The Aznayim Latora of Zalman Tzaratzkin. Says the Aznayim Latora, what is that word? So he gives a thought based on the Abarbanel. Says the, Abar, says the according to the Abarbanel now, in the Aznayim Latora, source number five. Habarbanel Kosav. The greatest danger in war, in battle time, is obviously in the front. In the front where the battle is going to take place. That's where the most danger is. Because you're going to fight in the front. The greatest warriors have to be in the front because they're going to get to the battlefield. So who went first? They traveled east. They traveled east. So who was on the east side? Yehuda. Yehuda was the Giborim. Yehuda was the strong ones. They were strong. They were big. So the strongest ones have to go in front. What's the second most, let's say, vulnerable or most important place to have the, the soldiers? In the back. Because the enemy can come from the front, the enemy can come from the back. We don't assume they're going to come from the side. But front or back. So in the front was Yehuda. So who was in the back? The second strongest warriors, one would think, one would put in the back, because it's depending where they come from. Right, says the Kasher, just like we have by, by Paro and the Kriyas Yamsuf. Right, he was going to come from the back. Kasher Asa Amalek, Vayizanev, Kalanecha Shalimacharecha. Amalek attacked us from the back. The Zanav, the tail. That's why Dun was put there. Dun was put, uh, he sh- when they traveled, they didn't travel with the Mishkan in the middle. When they traveled, they traveled, I shouldn't say they traveled, I take it back from before. They traveled with the Shevet Yehuda, who was on the east, and then he went first. And then they all traveled, two, and then the Mishkan, and then the two. Who was the last group of Shvatim that, that, that traveled? Dun. Because Dun were also Giborim. Right? He was the Ma'asef. The Pazak says, right, even more, right? He says that the Betoch, let's skip down a few, a few lines. That's the Arbarbanel. Vehine, and that's why Don was put there also, because Don was also, were also strong. They were the front and the back. But says the Zayin Torah. Now we get to the word Ladiglehem. Vehine betoch machane Yehuda bevadai sheshev Yehuda nasa rishona. Yehuda went first. Sorry, who gadola machane? Avo b'machane Don. Mikivat shasakana hu me'achar shem yipaloi besofa machane. Don should have gone last, right? Don gur aryeh. Don was shimshon. Don was strong. So one would have thought. That if you're protecting the back, Yehuda goes first because he's in the front. Done out of the three should be the last one. And yet the Torah says, go in the order I described. Ladiglehem. They went in the order. Done went first. You would think Done would go last. Second column. But the Torah doesn't say that. Ladiglehem, Done, Rosha, Degel, Yisarishona. And then Asher and then Naphtali as described in the Torah. Why is that? That's what's emphasized by Ladig Lehem. Even though Don was in the back, but still he wasn't the third Shevet going in that group. He was first. That's what's Ladig Lehem. So why is that? So either one could say Pashtus. HaKadosh Baruch Hu told you this. HaShem is going to take care of you. 
right? We're living within a time period of the Mon and the Be'er and the Ananea Kavod. You don't, Dafka, you have to have some Hishtablus, that's true. But, but you also have to say, there's an order to what I need. There's certain deep symbolic order to the Shvatim also, so don't, you have to go first. Number one. Or, one might say, Naftali's also pretty good to be in the back. What is Naftali known for? Naftali Ayala Shlucha. Naftali's fast. Naftali's quick, right? Naftali was the one that they sent back to get the documents to prove to Esav before Chushim took over. But they sent Naftali back because he was the quickest. So maybe Naftali, if he was in the back, he'd be able to run quickly to tell everybody if somebody's coming from the back. So it's also a good thing, even if Dun's not in the last one, Naftali also could be there. Shukal Baraglav Ayala Shalucha Yisa Bachrona Kadeshim Yargish Oyim Echorav Yaretz Viagalachalamachnos He'll be able to tell everybody. Okay. So we started off with two thoughts about Levi. We had a thought about all the Shvatim, and now we're going to have two thoughts about Dun. So this was one thought related to Dun, and now we have another thought. It's somewhat of an opposite thought. Somewhat of an opposite thought, but it's different. So let's see what the Rav Nevenzal tells us. It says Rav Nevenzal, who covered Shalayim, the Rav of the Ir Ha'atika, says Rav Nevenzal, Degel machane Dun safona litzibosam, lo'achrona yisu. Dun was last. Okay, the other Shadim were with him, but he was known as last. Why is that? Why was Dun, his machane, put last? Matai nikva Says Reb Nevenzal, when was this started? So the beginning of our parsha tells us, we read it before. is the first day of Iyar. Count B'nei Yisrael. Od Amru, but it's earlier. We know that these positions that were given here were the exact same positions that the Shvatim had when they carried Aron Yaakov in Parshas Vayechi, when they brought him up from Mitzrayim. Shorosh HaSeder Na'utz B'Nesiyos Aron Yaakov Mi Mitzrayim Arza. You see from there then that it's not just happenstance, a mikre, a coincidence where people are and where Shvatim are. Shekaseder Shesider Yaakov is Banov just as Yaakov was Masader, his children, Kachanu, Saviva, Mishkan. No, the Malachim wanted the, uh, as he quoted that we skipped, the Malachim wanted the, to be in, a, in an order, and they were put in an order by Yaakov. There must be something deeper here. Why was Don last? You could ask us about any Shevet. Why was Yehuda first? Why was Don last? But we'll focus on Don. Says of Nevenzal. Next page. Source 7, line 7. Who, according to the Medrash, did Amalek attack? Who was in the back then? And then you didn't have a choice where you went. You had a choice where you went. Shave it done. Shave it done. Shekivan Sha'abdu Avodizara Haya Anan Poltam. Vahainu nechshalim, chasrei koach machmas hachet, vaoz haya amalek matzliach lahakosam. They were in the back because they weren't excited about their avodas Hashem. They were even involved in avodas zara. We know Micha later on, but that's the nechshalim. Nimsa, showed kodav akamas hamishkan. Even before the Mishkan was built. Who were the Nechshalim? Before the whole Seder. Dun was last. Yerach Baruch Hu says, You choose to be last, I'll put you last. 
If you choose something, Hashem will help in either direction. According to the Medrash. They're rushing to Matan Torah. We'll be last. Says Rav Nevenzal, that's the message. That was the first message. We're not done yet. But that was the message. Why was done last? You choose to be last. You choose to be last in Dvarim Shebek Dusha? I'll put you last in Dvarim Shebek Dusha. Machana Yisrael, Einu Kibbut Mikri Shal Anoshim HaMachapsim Mizgeret Chevratito Medinit. It's all about Kedusha. Nitchav Don Me'atzmo L'Pa'asei HaMachana U'Memela Gam Chasuf L'Pekiyaso Shalamalek. And if we think about it, says the Rav Nevenzal, Yehuda was exactly the opposite. Yehuda was always in the front lines. Yehuda jumped into the water first. Yehuda was always excited and into it. So he proved that he's, he's first. He chooses to be first, he'll be placed first. That's exactly what he says in the middle of the page. Sheva Yehuda, Nachshom in Yimadav, Bachalikbos, Rishon Liyamsuf, Hu Shenivchar, he was Bocher, and therefore he was Nivchar. Linsoa, Berosh, Kol Hamachanos. And here's the line, 35. Bechiraso Haishis Shal Haadam, He Hakovaas Es Makomo Bez Mamado. My decisions, my choices, affect how a Kaddish Baruch Hu treats me. If I want to be ahead in spirituality and zrizus, because Baruch will help me out and make me into a zaris. It's all up to me. When a shevet shows something, then he'll get it. And if a shevet does not, so then he won't. One might think, he just adds, that, oh, so now all of Shevet is done? They don't have Bechir Echavshis? He said, no, don't think that. Because who built the Mishkan? Somebody from Yehuda and somebody from Dun. So we shouldn't think that if the Klal did something, then we're finished and done. Right? We have El Ahali, we have, right, obviously Betzalel from Yehuda and Aliyah Banachi Samach Lamate Dun. So even if we're all as a Klal, but as a Yachid, we always have the way to do what we can. But then, says Rav Nevenzal, the story does not end. Turning the page, Dun somewhat, we might say, did shuva. Dun was Masakain. Because what is Dun known as? When we know, there's probably the most well-known Chazal about Dun being the last Shevet, he's known as the Maasef. The Maasef Lechalamachanos. What does that mean, the Maasef? He picked up all the lost items and returned them. He did something Latovas Aklal. If earlier they ended up because of their lack of decisions of Zrizus and affected the Klal negatively, and therefore they were put in a certain state, but then they started using that state Latovas Aklal. They started picking things up, they started returning things. And if you want to say this even means on a deeper level, Hashavas Aveda is not only on physical but also on the spiritual, like the Bali Machshava say, Hashavas Aveda, Hashavas, someone spiritual, somebody who's lost spiritually, giving them back their neshama and their and their Torah values, nothing greater. That's what Dunn started to do. He was in the back. Anybody who we, we might say went off the derech, literally or figuratively, Dunn caught them, Dunn found them, Dunn returned them to the proper derech. Dunn was the last. 
And that's how he used his new tafkid. Right, whatever situation he was put in, he realized he's better shape up. And that's what he did. Again, once they were in there, they used, they used that position for Ruchnius, but that is exactly what, what we can learn from Don, Shevet Don, and Shevet Yehud. Okay. Let's move on now to the next part of the Parsha. Paragimel. We have some thoughts on Olive and Bays. Now let's move on to Paragimel. Paragimel starts off, Ve'ele Toldos. Now we gotta get into Levi a little bit. Ve'ele Toldos, Aaron and Moshe. These are the, gen- the, the descendants of Aaron and Moshe, their families. Be'omdibra Hashem es Moshe Bahar Sinai. Ve'ele Shmos B'nei Aaron. And it goes through all of Aaron's family. Chazal pick up on that right away. The Pasuk says, these are the children of Moshe and Aaron, and only Aaron's children are listed. What happened to Moshe's children? And why are, and if you only get to mention Aaron's children, why is Moshe mentioned in the first Pasuk? So, of course, Chazal say, Rashi quotes it, Eino maskir elabnei Aaron, v'nikru told us Moshe, lefi shalimdan Torah. Melamed, shekala melamed, is ben chaveiro Torah, ma'alela v'kasav, ki'ilu yolado. Somebody teaches their friend's son Torah, somebody teaches someone other than their own son Torah, it's as if he's my child. It's as if he gives birth to them. Not literally, you don't fulfill the mitzvah puravu. The Rishlama Kluger at the beginning of Evan Ezer discusses that possibility, but we assume that that doesn't work. Uh, one has to have, try to at least uh, have biological children, but in a certain sense, there is the Arkeilu Yolda. I think we mentioned a couple of years ago. It's a great story in the in the Chikum Amtakim, the uh, biography of Rishlama Zalman. Rishlama Zalman and and Rav Shach once went to a wedding together. And Rav, Shlom, Rav Shach, he, he learned in part of it, so it was Rav Shach's student, but the, uh, it was Rav Shlomo Zalman's nephew, maybe it was, I don't remember the exact details, but I think it was a nephew. So there was a whole machlokas there, who's going to be the Masada Kedushin? Rav Shach says, you're Masada Kedushin. Rav Shlomo Zalman says, you be Masada Kedushin. So finally Rav Shach says, you're the uncle. Rav Shlomo Zalman says, but you're the father. You're the father. Ki'ilu Yolado. Rav Shach says, okay, you got me. So Rav Shach had to do it. But anyway, so back to this, based on this chazal, so says, says Rav Pincus here in the Teferah Shimshon. It's a thought that he has for teachers, but it really it's a message that we could all have. It's a, it's a thought for Rabbeim, Rabbeim in elementary schools, in high schools, or anyone who gives a shear anywhere in any shul, for Lamdanim, we might say that. Says Rav Pincus, there's a major problem out there. Lidaiti, achas haba'ayos ha'gadolo shal tzibur ha'malamdim. It's a big problem for those who teach Torah out there. Who aren't, let me add, who aren't the Godol Hador Rosh Yeshiva. Most people out there, we aren't Godol Hador Rosh Yeshiva. We teach Torah. But there are many, there's a big problem. He calls it the sandwich problem. What's the sandwich problem? Line five. Sandwitz. Vabiris Kavanati. Sandwitz, I Prusimikan, What's a sandwich? You have a, one slice of bread on each side, and you have something in the middle. Right? Like you call it the sandwich child. The middle child is the sandwich child. Right? So what do I mean sandwich? Says Rev, Rev Pincus, he said, often a malamid or a learned person thinks to himself, I'm not the world's greatest rabbi Rosh Hashiva, but I'm also not, we might say, a simple Jew who we might call a regular, there's no regular, chas v'shalom. I'm going to use this slushen very just because people use it, but chas v'shalom, every Jew is special, a regular balabas. Right, there's no such thing as a regular balabas, balabais. But a person might have the attitude that I'm not a regular balabas, but I'm not the world's greatest gadolador. So I'm somewhat in the middle, Rav Pincus says, and that might paralyze him in terms of his own learning. He might think, I'm yotze with what I do, with what I teach. 
I give a shear in shul, I give a shear to my class, I teach this grade, but I'm not the gadol ador, I'm not like expected, or, or that's not, where are my, where are my goals? Says Rapinkis, Tchushazu Kayem is Gambatsibur Harachav, Bisyachuzulavodasamalamdin. Right? We think if I'm not the God's old I'm kind of like a sugbet. I'm not there, but I'm not here, I'm somewhere in the middle. And he says sometimes we even feel uncomfortable doing something that everybody does. Let's say going to a shear. I'm gonna to go to a shear. You know how much Torah I know? I I I learn Torah. I don't have to hear Torah. The rabbi shear? No, I could be the rabbi. I could give the shear. But really, I could learn a lot from the rabbi. And sometimes we find people, ourselves, we're kind of like stuck in the middle. We hold ourselves above some, even though I'm not higher. Cesar Pink has two points. And he talks about, number one, he talks about this chazal. He says, if anybody has the schus of teaching children Torah, they're sug aleph. There's no sug bet. There's no, they're not the sandwich. They're the gadolador. You know how much energy and foresight and abilities go into teaching a fourth grade? Goes into teaching an eleventh grade? Goes into teaching any Rebbe and any Yeshiva? You know how much koach that takes? And insight and creativity? Or anybody who gives a shir and shul, the preparation that is needed? You know, that's, that's ki'ilu yaldo. Says of Pincus, that's sug aleph. We shouldn't think anything less of it. What is chus we have? Right? What, how is that Kaddish Baruch Hu defined in our, in our bracha? Hamalamet Torah Lama Yisrael. He's a malamed. doesn't say he's the Rosh Yeshiva, Rosh Kibaha, Gadol Adar. He's a malamed. Hopefully we're all malamdim. Number one. But then Rav Pinka says, and we should never knock a daily shear. To be able to take part in a daily shear, and then he talks about specifically Dafyomi. He said, what an unbelievable invention. What an unbelievable creation. Line 32. Dafyomi hu ra'ayon ge'oni, davar atzum, sh'al yadonit an lirchosh yedios b'chol chalke ashas. Yeah, yedios in all of ashas. Lola kolecha zematim. There are those listening, yeah, but I'm not a Dafyomi Jew. Okay, it's not for every single person out there, but for major, many, many people out there, it's amazing. And I always say, okay, so put in the same hours as Dafyomi even if one's not going to do dafyomi. After coming home from a wedding, exhausted at 12 o'clock at night, sitting down to learn. Even if I don't do dafyomi. Because I know if I would do dafyomi, I would need to do it. Says Rav Pincus, it's a mechaev. And it gives every Jew the ability to at least become somewhat familiar with every concept in Shas. And every concept in Alacha. And la'asilavo. We're going to go up to Shemayim. He says, Limanat Afiyomi Mavim Mizgeres Nifla Mevias Lomid Al Sugios Shalolam Lovim Mizvada Eliyahu Iluli Ishtadei B'Shirze Eliyahu Navi is going to be giving a shear on Pigol, right? He's going to be giving a shear on on Meilah. If we if we had some shaychus to it, if we had some connection to it, that's the godless of Dafiyomi. One of the elements. Obviously, we have to do our best in terms of learning, in terms of chazara, in terms of getting the most out of it. But a daily shear should never be looked down upon. He's talking to these those of us who might say, it's not for me to go to a shear. It's okay. We could all go to shiurim. We could all give shiurim. We could all be involved in Torah. Learning Torah, teaching Torah. Says Rapinkas, the message is we have to realize the chance that we have to teach if anybody here is a parent. 
right? The ability to teach our children. We're a Rebbe in our own house. The godless that we have in all of these abilities and all of these opportunities. And that's what he says at the end of the piece, line 6. And we shouldn't think it's easy. We shouldn't think it's simple. Nothing happens easily. It's a commitment every single day. It is rigorous. It doesn't stop for anybody. It doesn't even stop for Tishabov. Right? Every single day. But that's the greatest. Anything done yomi, whether it's daf yomi, whether it's mishnah yomi, whether it's chumish yomi, whether it's navi yomi, anything done yomi is the greatest because it forces us and it inspires us every single day. So that we have to remember this chazal. Anyone who teaches their friend's uh, son Torah, ki'ilu yilad. Okay, one final thought for the parsha, and then hopefully we'll end up with something on, on Shavuos. Says the, if you now look to Perak Gimel, Pasig Memhei. Perak Gimel, Pasig Memhei. Towards the end of the, uh, of the Perak, in the context of the Levium. Before we look at the, at the Pasig, let's learn a Gemara together. Concept that many of us probably are familiar with, but we need it to help understand the Meshachachmi's explanation of the Pasig. There's a Brysa in Meseches Megillah, on Daf Chavav. The Brysa tells us, Source 13, there is a difference between Tashmishe Kedusha and Tashmishe Mitzvah. Two categories of holy objects. Tan Rabbanan, Tashmishe Mitzvah Nizrakin, an object that's categorized as a Tashmish of a Mitzvah can be thrown out, Meikar Adin, Tashmishe Kedusha Nignazin, but Tashmishe Kedusha have to be hidden away, have to be buried, what we call Shemis. Ve'eluhein, Tashmishe Mitzvah, what are Tashmishe Mitzvah? Sukkah, Lulav, Shofar, Tzitzis. Any of those items that are used for a mitzvah but are not connected to the words of the Torah. They're just used for a mitzvah, they are Tashmishe Mitzvah. They have sanctity when they are in use, but after they are finished, they could be discarded. Right? What do we do with a lulav? We burn it. Right? You ever think about what we're doing with a lulav? We're burning it? We have to we're not burning the lulav. There's no mitzvah to burn a lulav. We're burning the chametz. We use the lulav to help burn the chametz. But there's no mitzvah to destroy items that we use for a mitzvah. We use the lulav as fuel, so to speak, to burn the chametz. We don't realize that. Sometimes when we throw the lulav, we're like burning the chametz and the lulav. We're not burning the lulav. There's no mitzvah. It's tashmishay mitzvah. It can be burned. But there we're just trying to use it for another mitzvah. But that is... Tashmishe Mitzvah. But then there's Tashmishe Kedusha. What are Tashmishe Kedusha? Tuluska Meisvarim, Tfilin, Mezuzas, Tikshul Sefer Torah, Tfilin, anything connected to the Ksav of Torah. Tfilin, Tfilin bag, anything directly connected. Omar Rava, but let's continue now. Meresh Hava Amina, Haikurse Tashmish to Tashmishu Vishari. I originally thought that this type of, of a garment that was on the Bima was a Tashmish de Tashmish. It was two steps removed. It was servicing the servicer of the Torah. Vishari, and therefore it does not have Kedusha. Kibat Chazina Demosi Alei Sefer Torah. But once I saw that sometimes they put the Sefer Torah directly on it. Amina Tashmish Kedusha Huva Aser. I see, no, it directly services the Torah, and therefore it is Aser. Okay, what we need to know from this Gemara is the concept of Tashmish to Kedusha and Tashmish to Tashmish of Kedusha. If it's directly connected, then it's Tashmishe Kedusha. If it's indirectly connected, it's one step removed, it's a Tashmish de Tashmish 
Right? It's a servicer of a servicer, and that does not have inherent kedusha. What does that have to do with us? Says the Meshachachma. Let's read the Pasuk now. This is the Levim that we're getting their Kedusha now. The end of the Pasuk says, The Levim should be for me, Ani Hashem. Five words. What's the message of that Pasuk? Says the Meshachachma, A Yisod Gadol. There is a fundamental difference between Kohanim and Levim. Says the Meshachachma. In halachic terms, Kohanim and Leviim. Da. Whenever the Meshachachma starts with da, we know he's saying something important. There are certain words that he uses sometimes. Da, or at the end of the piece, he'll say, Vahavainze. Here he starts off with a da, and then he says at the end, Vedayeketev. So he, he, um, puts together from the beginning, and he cordons off this, uh, thought, because he thinks it's somewhat special. Da. He quotes the Brysa. Tashvish Kedusha, Kadosh Vitashvish, Tashvish Lo Yatsa. Lo. Where did Chazal get this from? The difference between a Tashmish to Kedusha and a Tashmish Ditashmish to Kedusha. Says the Meshachachma, as he classically does. Rabbi Cooperman in the footnotes points out here in 15, this is a classic Meshachachma finding a source in the Torah for something that's said by Chazal that Chazal did not give a source for. But the Meshachachma finds a source in the Torah. So what's the source for a Tashmish versus Tashmish to Tashmish? He says it's this Pasuk. A Kohen is a Tashmish to Kedusha, while a Levi is a Tashmish de Tashmish. A Kohen serves directly. A Levi is one step removed. Says the Meshachachma. De Tashmish Kedusha, Kadosh, Vatashmish, Tashmish, Lo. De Ashkachan, De Kohanim, Hema, Misham, She Kedusha. Kedusha is Behu. A Kohen directly serves HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What does that mean? They touch the Kalim in the base of Mikdash. Right, they use the kiyar, they use the, the knives, they, 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 the kodesh kadashim. They, they, they're directly connected. And that's what the Pasuk means in Emor. Kadoshim you, they will be holy, they will be holy. What does it say by Leviim? Vahayu li halviim ani Hashem. They will be for me. It does not say they have inherent kadusha. Vahavi mishamshe mishamshin v'lachin less behu kedusha. They don't have the inherent kedusha. And he quotes an afkamina from Masechus Bechorus, which is not for us now. V'lachin, but he says, ba'ez masa malachas hakodesh. When the levim carried all the kalim, right? Gershon kas murari. They carried all the kalim. They never touched anything directly. The boards, those were on the wagons, and they pulled the wagons. How you crush him? Nitanim alagalos. Avodas b'nei kahas asher hayabakasef. Benekos carried the special kalim on their shoulders. It was all covered in clothing, in garments. Kedesha begadim yu misham shekedusha, valavim yu tashmish the tashmish. The levim will be one step removed because that's how they're defined. Ukemochein begadim. Bechalzos they were tashmish the tashmish. And then he says, maybe it's based on our pasuk, fifth to last line. Valachein. What does our pasuk say? Vahayuli halvim ani Hashem. Between Li and Hashem, there's two words. To allude to the fact that it's two steps removed. Right, that's Vahayu, they will be Li Ani, they'll be two steps removed. Hashem from HaKadosh Baruch they'll be Tashmish to Tashmish. A Kohen is direct. And that is why, explains uh, the Meshachachma, 
a Kohen, because he has inherent Kedusha, he eats Truma, which has Asur to eat if you're not a Kohen. And if you're a Kohen, you cannot eat it Batuma, because there's inherent Kedusha. A Levi could eat Maiserishon Batuma, even according to the opinion he quotes that a Maiserishon is also to a Yisrael. A Kohen, to, a Levi can still eat it. Betuma, because he doesn't have the inheritance. He's like Tashvish Mitzvah. He's a Tashvish to Tashvish Kedusha. Not, nothing against the Levium. We're just describing halachically what they are. Kohen versus Levi. The uh, Rav Asher Weiss in the Minchas Asher, in a totally different context, similarly talks about this, but it, it relates exactly. He says there's a big difference between the gifts we give to the Kohen and the gifts we give to the Levi. The gifts we give to the Levi are described in the Torah as gifts for the Levi because of the work he does for us. They're from us to him. We give Maiser Rishon to the Levi. The gifts we give to a Kohen are not really gifts that we're giving to a Kohen. Really, we separate and designate them, but then Mishulchan Gavoah They get it from HaKadosh Baruch Because they have the inherent Kedusha, and therefore the mechanism is different how they get what we give them. It physically looks like we're giving, but there's a difference in the conceptual analysis. That's what he says in Parshas Korach, I think in Simulam Zion later on. Kohen versus Levi, Tashvishe Kedusha versus Tashvishe Tashvishe Kedusha, and that's alluded to here in our, in our Pasuk. Okay, one final thought for the evening related to Shavuos. I'm not sure if I mentioned this in the past year. Uh, I might have. I didn't have it in my notes that I did, but uh, it's worthwhile to mention again. This is from a drusha that Rabbi Norman Lamb gave in 1954. And it applies as well today as much as it did then. Right? His drushas from the festi- festivals of faith, his, uh, the drushas that they put out from him on uh, the Moadim. It's based on a Pasuk in Rus. In Megillus Rus, we know at the famous uh, story at the beginning, what happens? Naomi says, I'm going back. I'm going back to Eretz Yisrael. And she and her daughters-in-law are there, and uh, we have uh, Rus, and we have Arpa, and they both say, we want to come, we want to come, and she says, no, 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 and then we have the opposite reactions. We have, as he writes, as only he could write on the top, a bleak, lonely, pathetic scene on the distant plains of ancient Moab, but one which initiates and summarizes the parting of the ways of two great nations. Rus became a Jew, as we know, converted to Torah, the kindly renowned and saintly Boaz, David HaMelech V'chulu. Arpa returned to her heathen, her origins, despite her original protestations, ultimately forget that she ever knew Naomi and Ruth, swallowed up in the life of Moab, right, who were her children? Goliath, Yishbi Benov. Right, just as Ruth became the forerunner of King David, and David HaMelech, Arpa, Goliath, V'chulu. What happened at that moment? How does the Torah describe what happened? It says that Arpa gave Naomi a kiss, and Rus cleaved to her. That's the Pasik. Rus cleaved to her, Davkabo, Arpa gave her a kiss. Says the Gemara in Sota, Daf Membez. Says the Gemara in Sota. It's one line. Amr Rabbi Yitzchak, Amr HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yavo'u neshuka, v'yiplu biyad devuka. Let those who are the children of the Neshuka, Arpa, and fall into the hands of those who are the Devuka, those who cleave, Rus. What does that mean? How does that moment capture that the, the descendants are called B'nei Devuka 
and B'nai Hanashuka. Says Rabbi Lamb, it's a slight difference. The continuation, Arpa only kissed, Ruth cleaved and clung. A very slight difference, you might say. True, but one which develops and unfolds through the centuries. The clinging and deep attachment of a Rus becomes the profound passion for truth and the noble clinging to the God of a David and a people. And the superficiality of Arpa, symbolized by the kiss, degenerates into the rabid and demonic wickedness of a Goliath. The lukewarm attraction becomes the very cold antipathy. Arpa gave a kiss. What is a kiss? It's a physical manifestation of a, okay, a kiss. But that's all we could do. We could give a kiss and then we could go do whatever we want. That's, is that a, in, if, if it's a proper kiss, if it's a kiss that reflects commitment, loyalty, being there with the other person, that's a kiss. If it's a kiss and I hope to never see you again, that's a different kind of kiss. That's superficiality. That's a physical manifestation of nothing. That's what Arpa just did. She was leaving Naomi and never coming back. And so many times, says Rabbi Lamb, there are two kinds of religion. The kissing kind and the clinging kind. We have to be careful when using the word religion. There is religion and there is religion. There is B'nai Anashuka and the B'nai HaDevuka. And he talks about, do we give, no pun intended, but do we give just lip service to our religion? Or do we have a deep connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Do we just go through the motions on the outside? He writes, the B'nai Neshuka, close the sitter, kiss it and leave it in the synagogue. The B'nai Devuka, close it, take its message with them, open their hearts to it and begin to practice it. B'nai Neshuka, express affection. B'nai Devuka, impress with passion and devotion. There's such a difference between the two, between a B'nai Neshuka and a B'nai Devuka. The B'nai Neshuka are ultimately of no avail, while the B'nai Devuka ultimately will prevail, as we have only, as Rabbi Lamb could write here. But that's the message of Shvuis. Shvuis is that we need to make ourselves B'nai Devuka. We have to follow in the ways of Rus. We have to follow in the ways that have an intensity and a pnimius to our Avodah Hashem. It's not just something, a physical manifestation, but it's something physical that, that reflects something deep inside. We have to prove ourselves to be B'nai Neshuka, people who take the message of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Torah throughout our lives, we should all be zochet to a true Kabbalah Satorah, a true connection, deep connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and with Hashem, we should be zochet that Hashem should come down again and bring us the Geula and share with us all the words of Torah that He gave us on that first verse. Okay, we'll stop here.